Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we're your co-hosts. And so this week, I'm going to be talking a little about the Celtic god of thunder, Tyrannus, which is perfect for this week because I'm also talking about storm magic. And when I say a little bit about Tyrannus, like it's really, it's going to be brief. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's good that it's brief because, you know, speaking of the Celts, I'm just casually talking about oaks this week. Uh, oh, no big no deal. No big deal, but also a huge deal because, uh, wow, I, when I got into this, I was like, we might need an oak part, duh, at some point. Oak, duh. No, really, though, um, that's kind of how I felt about storm magic, too. Like, because there was like, I want, there was definitely some stories I wanted to tell. And then I was like, okay, well, now that I've done that, and I've talked a little bit about Storm Magic, I'm like, this is like a 30 to 40 minute segment already. So um, here we go. Here we go. Here we go again (laughs) on another hour and a half long episode of Wands and Fronds. So um, actually, but it's not going to be because... well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But Shannon, when did you feel the magic this week? Okay, so the magic this week, um, we were definitely talking about the manic vibe of Gemini season. So I've been feeling a little scattered, but I had this moment yesterday where I just felt like the witch of the neighborhood because I came back from walking Willow and one of the little girls who lived lives next door to me had a pad of paper and a pencil and was sitting in front of my house like sketching flowers in my garden so I got to like go and talk to her and like teach her what all the names of the plants were and I was like spreading my like green witch plant love to the next generation and it was just like it felt so magical because it's like, I don't have kids. I'm a perpetual aunt. Like that's, that's my role in life, which I'm super happy with. But, you know, I, it was just a really unexpected treat to get. And I was like, do you need a chair? Like stay as long as you want, like draw all of the flowers. She was specifically drawing a couple of the poppies that are blooming oh, right my now. God. No, I love that. Like, I don't know. It's really like white witch vibes, you know, where it's like the Hansel and Gretel witch, like have the house made out of candy to attract the um, hungry German children. And you're just like, I have this pretty garden, you know, to attract the artsy kids, but, not, yeah. you know, and then I'm going to teach them about plants instead of eat them. Yeah. It's like, come frolic, you know, come I'm frolic. not going to make you yeah. into a stew. I'll teach you no. how to make cookies at some point if you want, but yeah. my lemon balm is coming in strong. It's like, once it comes up, I'm like, I will definitely make some like tea, like lemon balm tea with some nasturtium in them. Oh, and yeah. I cannot wait because like mini sidetrack on foods that I'm going to make. I found out you can actually pickle like nasturtium seeds when they're young, like capers. So that's also coming this summer. But I'm like, I can't wait to do little things like that and share them with the girl next door now. So it's like, not only are these beautiful, but like, look at how delicious they are. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And I'm so, I'm so, I'm, I'm happy for her. I like, I hear the story. I'm happy for her because famously, um, growing up in the trailer park, I was obsessed with my local plant lady. And she even gave me a cactus for my birthday one year. Oh, I love that. Yeah. but I want to be someone's cactus lady. Yeah, no. And like, I do not remember her name, but I remember she had, and you'll love this. She had a boxer dog 
and the Wait, way was it that, me? The way that we made friends, the way that we made friends was because I saw the boxer dog uh, through the back fence because there was all these little trails that kind of went behind everyone's yard. And what we would do is kind of like use that to get to like the big vacant lot in the back. And mm-hmm. we would go behind this lady's house. And so the boxer dog was there, very friendly. Like oh, yeah. I'm talking, you know, it's I it's Willow 1.0, truly. Yeah. And, you have um, never met like a more affectionate breed than boxers. I truly, truly, believe truly. That. And like as a kid, you know, it's like I we 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 you know, my mom had cats growing up, which you know makes sense to me it makes sense now because we always lived in like smaller spaces and like that's just kind of how it shook out but but you know it's like this is my friend the dog and I would sneak like lunch meats oh and I would like and like push them through the hole in the fence to like feed the dog so you were giving him you were giving him the worst farts for his no, own, just like no. as a boxer <laughs> and but she was it. so nice about it and then we eventually became friends because she was a patio lady she was like sort of the prototype patio lady always was on the stairs of her trailer smoking a cigarette Aww. and she so one day she I didn't notice her there I'm feeding the dog like baloney and she's like please don't do that and I'm like huh? um whoops <laughs> Anywho, so when she did I feel like magical? he's stinking up the whole house? But yes, tell me when about your feel, magical when, self. When did I feel the magic this week? Well, um, I have been listening to many competing podcast episodes about storm magic because that is something that I do when we are doing research for an episode, um, just so I don't do the same thing that everyone's already done, right? Yeah. But so part of that process, though, is that I will go to my local bar um, where, where I often go after work and I'll have my little earbuds in and I'll just be like listening to these other witchy podcasts. And of course, I'm we're doing Storm Magic this week. And so I have my little po- my earbuds in. Everyone has kind of canceled coming from work. So I'm like really committed to like doing research stuff while drinking a Negroni. And what should happen? Except this exquisite... Texas spring storm Uh, comes out of nowhere and the patio at this particular bar does have like a good like covered roof mm, area so you could like be outside so I could be outside I was not getting rained on actively but I was like out in the storm listening to my podcast about storm magic and just like everyone was like freaking out running inside you know and I was just like totally and completely vibing like watching the little like creek of rainwater like flow through the grass and and it was beautiful and it was magical and then literally it was just long enough for me to like do my nightly drinking and then little uber ride home I'm like walking down the sidewalk you know because sometimes I walk a little bit before I call the uber just to save a little bit of money and get it get some steps in right yeah Um, and then but it was like and then there was that that moment of like the the rain on the street like reflecting all the street lights and cool ways and like there Mm. is something very psychedelic about that I will say yeah yeah 
reflections it's very reflections i do love it um like the whole we're the world is kind of a mirror and that's cool um that just sounds lovely though like what a wonderful night it was lovely and then it was like 90 degrees that day and then after the rain it was like a crisp like 68 heaven heaven on earth so it was good it was good and that was but like being caught in the storm with just like clutching my little negroni and like Mm. listening to a podcast about storm magic it was like yes oh so good okay so I we you know so we talk about this on the pod a lot because we um like to involve you in the process because we're like very conscientious podcasters but we have these little planning sessions right and I I believe for this one like we're kind of getting towards the end of the mushroom ones yeah um which was <laughs> a really which was a really good one where I had forgotten that we were going to be planning and had taken like a gram of psilocybin mushrooms and then we literally planned out like 30 episodes so like a good third of all of the episodes of once and fronds that exist or will exist in like two episodes um were planned out while tripping on shrooms uh while i was kind of tripping on shrooms which is great and good and some of them have really just like been so well timed for what's going on in our lives and like uh you know sometimes it like really falls together in ways that we don't expect like especially sometimes with the plant topic like or like you know like the deity like just tying just tying it all together or like being a common theme that we were just like fully not expecting um yeah, and it's so almost this, like we're witches or something doing It's this. almost like we're witches or something. But okay, so, so but sometimes, sometimes, and I'm not looking at you, druids. I, I, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not blaming anyone. But here's the thing. So druids did not write anything down. Like, ever. And, um, you know rich oral tradition a lot of which we get allusions to in like the Tuatha de Danann for instance which is the really yeah. great you know backstory of Lou and you know just like the the kind of basis of the Celtic pantheon which is great which is really great and you get like a nice little glimpse at this world but I mean even that much like the poetic and the poetic edda what is the other edda i always forget this there's the poetic edda I, and... i'm very tired today i'm not gonna no be able i to know but there's, the po- no, there, but there's the poetic edda and then there's the one that's like just stories yeah. um uh, but basically it's like it's christian monks in like the 12th or 13th century in both cases writing down the local oral traditions as a way of preserving the history but also it's like very much through a christian lens it's very much like you know like yeah we talked about it last week a little bit with like was it last week or the week before when we did the dogda and it was like the descriptions of the dogda are kind of like a bit oafish and fumbling and it's like that's probably the christian influence like trying to take the take the teeth out of it a little bit Mm mm-hmm 
So when we're looking at Tyrannus, who is the Celtic god of thunder, we're thinking, oh, this is going to be great for this episode. Storm magic, oak trees. <laughs> but then, so what I have run into, though, is that every single source, the Encyclopedia Britannica, um, uh, Mythopedia, um, I did find a really long Facebook post from a witchy group about Tyrannus. Um, but much like my segment today, it was full of conjecture and personal opinions. <laughs> I so, mean, you know, sometimes you got to do what you can. And, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you got to do what you can. So what do we know about Tyrannus? Well, Tyrannus is mentioned in the Tuatha Tuath Danann. So we know of Tyrannus as part of the Celtic pantheon. And actually, so here is something that I do think is cool about Tyrannus. So Tyrannus is the god of thunder, but also is represented by this um, artifact, which they find in a lot of Celtic tombs, which they call a sometimes a sun cross um, or sometimes a sun wheel, which is a... It's meant to look like a chariot wheel. For everyone on Patreon, you can see me holding up my fingers in the 303 symbol. Uh, but it's like a chariot wheel <laughs> with like crisscross. Um, it's either four or eight spokes. Um, four and eight being kind of like the um, symbolic numbers of Tyrannus, which I do love. Um, you know, kind of a square or an octagon. Uh, but but uh, eight, four or eight spokes. Um, and to me... I, it's sort of like a stylized version of the rays of the sun. You know, like when you actually look at the sun and you have to squint, you see those rays that little kids try to draw on the sun all the time. Um, yeah. Famously as triangles. Um, and speaking of kids' drawings, but also holding a, a bolt of thunder like Jupiter, like Zeus, which when the Romans did try to invade uh, Celtic lands. Um, Julius Caesar did try, you know, to take down what he thought of the local religions and the local cultures and basically compared Tyrannus to Jupiter, which, uh, you know, Jupiter is sort of the Roman version of Zeus for everyone that doesn't know and can throw thunderbolts and lightning. Very, very, very frightening. Very, very frightening. Um, and so... Uh, a lot of comparisons made with Jupiter. Also, Tyrannus is the king of the gods, whereas Lu is the god of kings. So Lu represents how mankind tries to establish order and dominance over the world and our power structures and our skills that kind of set us apart from the natural world, whereas Tyrannus represents raw, chaotic, natural power, and that is the top power of the Celtic pantheon. So, in a similar way to Jupiter, which, I, you know, you can forgive Julius Caesar for making the connection, um, there is this kind of, like, which I think is such a cool idea that modern witches are kind of exploring as well, where it's, like, the way that humans establish order is not necessarily, like, the highest goal, you know, truly the highest goal is to be in harmony with the chaos around us. Yeah. Uh, and you that is... It's like not putting the world into your box. It's figuring out how to exist in the world. Right, right, right. And so I do think that is a really cool idea that you can kind of get out of 
the Tyrannus symbolism uh, and imagery is kind of like, no, the raw chaos of nature is actually the most powerful thing. Like all this stuff we do is kind of under that. Um, yeah. But also, you know, oaks factoring into the story as well. I mean, it wouldn't be a Celtic myth without, but here's the thing about oaks is that an oak is of such a nature that when it experiences a storm as a young tree, it bends, it bends with the storm. Whereas like a pine tree snaps back up like a whip and continues to grow straight up into the sky. But the oak is shaped by the storm. And there is sort of that symbolism as well, which is very, very important to the Celts, where as sort of like a worldview, where it's like you can bend with the storm and like that. And then ultimately, the oak tree becomes a shelter for all kinds of animals and, and birds and stuff during a storm. And it's almost like the oak tree is like, I've been through this. Yeah. I, I can protect you from this. Um, but so Tyrannus, right? Now, here is the interesting thing, too. Temples to Tyrannus, found in the UK, found in Scotland, found in the Isle of Man, found in Ireland, also found in uh, Gaulish Francia, which is basically hmm. northern France, for those of you who are not from ancient Rome. Um and uh, parts of Germany. And then this one is kind of crazy because you don't see a lot of Celtic symbolism this far out. Spain. So hmm. you've got you've got definitely religious worship sites to Tyrannus or a very, very similar god in Spain and Yugoslavia. So this is not... I mean, and we know the Celts moved around mainland Europe a lot and actually, yeah. you know, had gone as far as uh, almost to India and back before, you know, really settling back down. Um, well, it's also interesting, though, because I was just I was like, I need to pull up the map of this, but it kind of seems like this is tracing along the parts of Europe where the Vikings were. Oh, for sure. And you can definitely do a lot of tying in with Thor. Because Mm -hmm. while Thor is not foremost among the Norse gods, that does fall to Odin. There is kind of this thing where Thor is in more myths than Odin. Like, Thor seems to be more of a popular figure. Yeah. Also, the god of thunder and the oak is Thor's tree. Right. And, but yeah, so it's like, you know, like a popular heroic figure versus this kind of mysterious occult figure that Odin represents. Um, And, you know, Tyrannus, yeah, widespread religious worship. They find these sun wheels or sun crosses in so many Celtic burials, and they have found, again, temples, temples being a very loose term, but religious worship sites with artifacts that and bronze reliefs so i have to talk about the bronze reliefs because we get all these really really wonderful bronze reliefs of tyrannus 
and a lot of his that's where a lot of what we know about his symbolism comes from but there's also this idea that Tyrannus was part of like a triumvirate of gods and that's a very roman thing to call it a triumvirate but yeah you know a, a lot of what we know about the celts comes from the romans so but the, you know there's these two other gods um it's it's not lu sadly because we do love lu and we you know we have lunasa in virgo season which is truly phenomenal um but here's what i will say here's what i will say the romans speaking of like christians trying to like take the teeth out of something the romans were like they do all these crazy human sacrifices and like it's really really dark and like this is why we did away with dianic witchcraft as a society which they technically didn't but uh they put it they drove it underground they drove it underground so like officially they were like we're not doing this anymore but unofficially lots of people still did it but they were like yeah they do human sacrifices they're bad dirty awful gross people and savages even and uh there's actually no evidence of that so yeah that we're you know we're, we're we're taking that as a plus for the for team tyrannus is that uh actually they have found all of these religious sites that they know are related to Tyrannus because of the chariot wheels and the lightning bolt symbolism. And also, but I, okay, so here's my thing. It's like God of thunder. I think God of weather, like if you're represented by the sun as well as like clouds and lightning bolts, I, to me that reads as like, and like overall in charge of the weather, not just storms. Yeah, I feel like, and something about that, like, that's so much more powerful if you're talking Mm -hmm. about, like, the overarching chaos energy of the universe. I think power over, like, it it almost, it's like weather, but then under that is also, like, seasons and everything. Mm -hmm. It's really about, like, the shifting environment. But then I was really thinking about it, and I was like, well, would you rather be weatherman well because a lot of the like local dialectical variations of tyrannus literally mean thunder would you rather be weatherman or thunderman oh thunder bring the thunder no one says bring the weather like bring the weather although technically it would be correct but no what they say yeah it's like thunder thunderbolts and lightning very very frightening not weather very very frightening <laughs> it, yeah no i think thunder is just a lot more fun and catchy um but you know we're keeping it short we're keeping it short for tyrannus what i will say is that i want to know why were there celtic people in yugoslavia because i did not know about this i mean again they've been they've basically been to india and back but didn't wasn't aware yeah i think that it's really interesting and and i i do love how often as we like study different witchcraft and deity traditions it's like you really do start making the connections where like cultures have crossed paths Uh over the centuries and i think it is really interesting but okay i'm glad you know uh what i will say on that just to kind of finish out here because i do think it's it's one of those things where it's like we really don't know history except for what somebody thought to write down you know what i mean like somebody thought that that one thing was interesting enough to write down but there's so much that people were like yeah no one's ever gonna forget this yeah or like that's not important and it's the key to understanding their entire culture but Um, also the the fact that they have found like 
a sunken Greek boat off the coast of Brazil that was full of like amphorae of wine and gold coins with like an art like with like a fucking Artemis insignia on it. Pretty dope. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, like, I mean they they based a lot of the ships in um the Northmen off of like a Viking ship that was like basically found in total, which Ooh, I actually, I think I, I think I did listen to a podcast about that and like, yes, we're going to move on, but I heard about them finding basically an entire Viking ship on a different, like a history podcast that I listened to recently. And apparently they're turning it into a museum. Um, Yeah, it's, it's really cool, but okay, guys, we're gonna, we're moving on because Oak. Because Oak, Oak, Professor Oak. It's a big topic. Uh, I'm going to, I'm excited to try and like distill some of it down, but really like I, there could be an entire podcast like just about oaks and oak mythology and we don't have that kind of time, but let's get like the basics out of the way first. Okay. So an oak is technically, it's a tree or a shrub in the genus uh, Quercus within the beech family or Fagaceae, which is my favorite tree family name of all time That's now. That's gay, dude. That's so gay. gay. So gay. Um, there are approximately 500 species of oak, in addition to a lot of other trees that aren't actually in the same genera but are called oak. Things like Lithocarpus, which is called stone oak, uh, Gra- Gravilla robusta, which is silky oaks, things like that. So not everything that's called an oak is an oak. But the genus is native to the northern hemisphere, and it includes both deciduous and evergreen species spanning cool and temperate climates all the way to like the tropical latitudes in America, Asia, Europe, and North Africa. And of course, some of the magic I'm going to talk about, and I think a lot of the things as, you know, North America, which is that come to mind with like oaks is a lot of Celtic lore. Although oaks are very important to Native American populations and they have a lot of lore and history around oak trees, but it's an entire different genre to get into that I think would be fun to cover at some point, but I'm going to focus on like my lineage for now, but because a lot, because we're, because we're not appropriative here at Wands and Fronds. Yeah. Thank you very much. We're not appropriative, but I do like that. This is actually one instance where I think oak trees have so much importance and like, especially the British Isles and magical histories there. But actually, North America is home to the largest number of oak species, which never happens. But there are 160 species in Mexico and 90 in the United States. So actually, North America has more varieties of oak tree than Europe. So I love I love how many of them are in Mexico. I'm, I know. I'm You're going to have to go on this. an oak adventure when you go well, to Mexico. I, I'm literally, no, I'm going to be in the jungle. So I don't. Well, you can tell you can tell me. You can tell me. Do you think they there's have them, oak trees in the jungle? There probably are because there are oak trees in tropical latitudes, like in Northern America. So there will so, probably yeah. be oak trees where you're at. Well, um, I, it's going to be, it, I will let you know. I will let yeah, you know if I see any crazy looking oak trees. <laughs> so the second largest continent, just for fun facts, for um, oak diversity, I guess country, not continent, is China, where there are around 100 species. 
but this majestic as fuck tree can get gargantuan, which we know. And as Nick was mentioning, it is very bendable and adaptable as it's growing, which is why it actually has a really short, stout trunk, but widespreading branches, aka perfect climbing trees. Oh, like always, always. Yes. Yeah. All the way. An oak tree is literally that bitch. I mean, as like an avid childhood tree climber, where you get so high up in the tree that you're scared to come down. Yeah. I I love a good oak. We had oaks near our house off of Fall Creek, but they weren't super low spanning anymore. But those were those were like post oaks too. So yeah. So when I think of like the climbing oak, I think of the live oak. Yeah, live oaks are ideal for climbing. Post oaks, very common in a lot of Texas still, but not, oh, of course, not of as course. good for climbing. But they make a shit ton of acorns. Anyway, oak trees can get up to 70 feet tall, with branches spanning up to 135 feet on a trunk that's just 9 feet wide. So really, like, oaks can get very wide. But they're big drinkers, right? Because they're so massive and their roots system is so big, they can absorb more than 50 gallons of water every day. And that water absorption means that they're actually fantastic trees for urban environments because they can soak up rainwater and runoff, which prevents erosion, which becomes a really big problem in urban environments. And oak trees have these like fantastic, amazing root structures. They can actually extend as much as 90 feet past the drip line or the edge of the foliage. So if you think about a tree that's got 135 feet across on the branches, add 90 feet on every side of that for the root system. Can you even? It's huge. They also have incredibly deep tap roots, like 10 feet deep, which is why they can get plenty of water even during dry months. So, you know, we've already talked a lot about like the adaptability and the resilience of oak trees and just their structure is so phenomenal for that. They, if you're going to try to identify one though, of course they have spirally arranged leaves with lobate margins and a lot of the species you're probably familiar with. And if the word lobate margins isn't pulling anything to mind, a lot of the representations of the green man have oak leaves on them. So those leaves that have the very wavy deep wavy edges oak leaves so that's a like think about the green man almost every green man depiction i've seen has oak leaves on it they do produce both male and female flowers so they're monoecious um they fruit also because the acorn is not a nut it is a fruit now you can be a dickhead about that at cocktail parties. oh my god i'm literally going to be such a know-it-all at my next get together with that oh fact. it's the best i love getting to be better than everyone else in the room because i know innocuous things so each acorn contains a single seed once in a while one will have two or three but almost all of them just have a single seed in it but literally out of a thousand acorns you're likely to only have one seed take root so it makes sense that they produce a shit ton of acorns but we're going to talk about the acorn production of oaks a bit more in a minute but i think personally one of the most magical things about oaks is how long they live. So almost every species of oak, no matter what, can live for at least 200 years. But there are oak trees that can survive for thousands 
of years. There's a tree that King John planted that has survived for at least 800 years and has seen the reigns of 35 other monarchs other than King John. One of the most- Wow. I know. I know. I'm like, I, if this fucking tree could talk. But I think probably one of the most famous oak trees in the world is the major oak near Edwin's Toe, which is in the heart of Sherwood Forest in Nottinghamshire, England. And that's tree, that tree, it's said to be up to a thousand years old. And it's allegedly where Robin Hood and his merry men hid out from the law. Like I god damn i was i love robin hood because he he is a communist and a hottie and a hottie but he says he says fuck capitalism a cab forever steal from the rich give to the poor distribute the wealth but another great fun ridiculous fact about oak trees We might be familiar in the U.S. that oak trees were declared America's national tree in 2004. But did you know, it's also the national tree of England, Estonia, France, Germany, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Wales, and Serbia. So, you know, a lot of people love oak trees. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about caring for oaks because once they're well-established, like, you really need to leave them the fuck alone. But I'm going to give a few highlights. First... Watering an established root tree or an established oak tree at the base of the tree can straight up cause crown and root rot. Like, don't do that. Crown rot is actually caused by a fungus that's promoted by saturated soils and poor soil aeration. The symptoms that you'll see are like a decline in tree vigor, twig dieback and wilting, lesions that ooze a dark fluid and abnormally yellow leaves. Oat root fungus, oak root fungus, or uh, armilla, this is this is another one, uh, armillaria root rot. It's almost always found in California oak trees, actually, but it doesn't usually affect the tree unless the tree is overwatered. So if an oak tree has root rot, you're going to see branch dieback, yellowing foliage, thinning foliage. Like think about if you overwater a house plant. But again, this fungus isn't going to hurt the tree unless you overwater it. But if you plant a new oak tree, you're going to want to find a place that drains well, gets plenty of sun, fertilize it once a year until it's well established, but then it's like, Liza, leave it the hell alone. Back up. Also, don't put a bunch of like gravel or like whatever sort of like topper you want uh, around the RPZ, which is the root protection zone, because you can cause like soil compaction that could actually harm the tree. So it's like, don't get your colored bark and put it all under your oak tree. Just like, let it breathe. Have a picnic under there. Don't put gravel down. Okay, really though, can I just say I actually hate the colored bark? Oh, it's so bad for the environment too. Almost all of it is like not good for the plants. It's like, and then it, it looks okay it does not look great but then it actually looks so shitty like after it rains two times and now it's like sun bleached and like the color's not even on it anymore it's like what even what even is landscaping like why don't people just plant stuff that's like gonna just grow where they're at Yeah. I mean, I personally, the only mulch that I use is cedar mulch. Like, 
raw cedar mulch because it's great for you know preventing splash up and it helps repel some pests but it's like it's really natural oh we're gonna be talking about splash up later on during storm magic don't Ooh, don't worry don't worry so anyway if you do want to plant things around the base of an oak tree because you're going crazy on some sort of landscaping any plants really need to be a minimum of six feet away from the like trunk and drought tolerant so you don't need to water them really during the dry months so like maybe just don't. You do need to prune an oak tree, but not excessively because if you excessively prone any like prune any tree, you can actually cause sunburn on like inner branches. You have to be careful. But during the winter, you should remove weak, diseased or any like dangerously hanging limbs that, you know, are precarious looking. But you also shouldn't seal any of the wounds because research has shown that it can cause more harm than good. But with oak tree pruning, this is a situation where if you're not 100% comfortable with this, I'd recommend working with an arborist because these trees can live like for centuries and you don't want to be the one who kills it before it's time. Yeah, that would would truly suck. Just trees alone. Okay, you know what I will say too, though, like just kind of talking about this whole mulch thing too because I really feel like this applies so much to any tree any topic where we're talking about trees is like leave the fucking trees alone yeah you really can mostly leave them alone the only thing I would say with that is like if you have a big ass oak tree and there are people walking around it you're gonna want to snip off stuff that looks like it's gonna fall I say true, true, is... true. You don't you don't get you don't want to get crushed by a branch and then yes, hire the arborist. But yeah, I'm, I'm literally just saying, like Yeah, sometimes I've just... it's too much. Like the weird, you know, like in the neighborhoods though, where they like yeah. trim it into like a circle shape. Like they trim the tree into a circle yeah, shape. It's like it's okay, like, Edward scissor hands. This is it's like the nice, the nice shape of the tree. I don't Look, I'm no, a full stone right now, but it's making me mad. It's making no, me mad thinking fair. about all of those like suburban neighborhoods where they like make every tree a circle. They're hideous. It. It's like there's a common ground between that and not um what happened to me in high school where I definitely like knocked myself out and got a concussion trying to clean up a tree after a thunderstorm. Hey, <laughs> anyway, um, there are a few other things to look out for if you're caring for an oak tree mistletoe you got to keep an eye on mistletoe so it is a parasitic plant we've talked about it before but it absolutely can harm oak trees it can cause like structural weaknesses and branch breakage like a minor infestation is usually pretty easy to take care of but once it gets like really out of hand like they can get difficult to control and again this is a time when i'm like talk to an arborist because mistletoe overtaking your tree and killing your oak tree that fucking sucks There are also some danger bugs, so pit scales, oak moths, and other, like, leaf eaters, and these are all insects that are going to weaken the tree and make it susceptible to disease, so just, like, keep an eye on it, right? Like, if your tree starts looking sad, losing vigor, turning yellow, call an arborist. Like, arborists are dope people. Let them help you. So now, let's talk about the medicinal and culinary uses of the oak and its fruit. So disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat anything. Please always talk to your doctor before you start any herbal regimens. So as far as medicinal and edible uses, all parts of the oak, so the wood, bark, leaves, acorn, and gall nuts have been used in medicine since ancient times. 
Primarily, though, oak has been used as an astringent. It can help like tone and firm up tissue that's in a relaxed state. So things like varicose veins, gum disease, these are the kind of things that come from like tissue being too relaxed, stuff that needs to be like totten it up. Specifically, most folks recommend harvesting the inner bark of the tree and making it into a tea or a tincture to use medicinally. You can also, though, make a flower essence or a tree essence if it's not in bloom. And the essence of the oak is said to help when your mind and body has been, like, broken down by long, arduous suffering. It helps you, like, choose the battles you can win and withstand adversity. You know, think about an oak tree bending and adjusting in storms. Like, that's what it's good for. But now, we cannot talk about eatable oak trees without talking about the small but mighty acorn. So, like most hardwoods, oaks actually have to be 30 to 40 years old to reach fruiting age, and it takes them until they're about 60 years old to produce a full crop of the acorn nuts. Like, how insane is that? To think about the, like, post oaks that I grew up with that, like, covered the ground in acorns. It's like, how old were those trees? I mean, really, though, it's like, um, you know, here at the Domain, the streets are named after the plants that are planted along them. Yeah. So there's Esperanza Crossing and Rock Rose, famously, right? And then there's the one Century Oaks because it's got all of the really old oak trees. Like, yeah. And that's where all the little benches and stuff uh, for like the moms with strollers are. And those are literally like 300 year old oak trees. It's amazing. They're so I cool. But also squirrels are such crackheads. Fuck squirrels. So oaks flower in the spring and they produce a strong crop every two to three years because this is a genius adaptation that prevents motherfucking squirrels and other rodents from eating the entire crop of acorns. So the way it works is like in the first year or two, they produce smaller crops, right? Which helps keep the population of the asshole squirrels small. And then they produce a bumper crop in the third year, which can, you know, that ensures the continuance and the survival of the oak, because remember, it's like one in a thousand is going to become a new tree. But the smaller crops also train the animals to like hoard the nuts. And one of the things they do when they're hoarding them is like burying them underground. So, of course, some of them are going to be forgotten about from time to time. And then more oaks can be born. Um, this whole hoarding things underground is how I ended up with a fucking peanut plant in one of my garden beds. Thank you, squirrels. Thank you. But well, because they because they have the that hoarding instinct though, which the oak trees taught them that. They did. They did. But, but all they, acorns. They plant more trees than they eat. Or I oh. there's there's one of those things, which I don't know if that's like scientifically proven, but I do I, I think it's a nice idea that squirrels do have so many hiding spots that essentially they probably plant as many oak trees as they prevent from growing by eating nuts. I just hate squirrels. Like, I feel I feel like most gardeners do. Yo, well, I, and squirrels are rapists, I will say it. Trigger warning. I'm sorry, everyone. Trigger Tr warning. Trigger warning. Squirrels are rapists. Not to be trusted. So that's great. That's I'm always suspicious when the species procreates through such violent means. It's like that's how you that like ducks too. It's like that's how okay. Never turn ducks your are, back on a duck. <laughs> never turn your back on a duck. Don't do it. <laughs> 
But the good news, right, is all acorns are edible, but you have to prepare them properly. So Samuel Thayer has this really cool book called Nature's Garden, and it goes into a lot more detail about preparing acorns. But essentially, you have to leach the tannins out of them, like that tannic acid. Uh, you can boil them. Boiling them is the most common way to do it. But that intense amount of tannic acid is what makes it like poisonous for a lot of animals to consume large amounts of acorns. But after you've boiled them and you've like leached out the tannins, you can roast them or you can grind them into flour. I have had like really bomb like acorn flour pancakes before that are like mwah, so good. But acorns are like super diverse, right? You can make candied acorns, acorn grits, acorn bread, acorn cakes, like insert the forest gump shrimp joke here. You can make anything out of acorns. And there's like eating acorns is so important that like some Native American tribes were referred to as like acorn eaters because they would be such a staple in the diet because they're so diverse. They're so diverse. I know one of the common things is like uh, certain Native American tribes would make these like acorn flatbreads, which sounds dope. That's so, that actually that does sound really good. Yeah, I acorns mean, are talking... delicious. Well, because what I will say is like yes, with you. You do have to take the tannins out. But I remember as a kid, I would like smash open acorns with a rock. Yeah. Just to see what was in there. Just sometimes to see if you could find a, the weevil larva. Sometimes there's a little worm in there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, um, but also like it smells good. Like It I, does. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where you're like, you know, it's not food, but you're like, I want to eat that. Or like it is food, but you don't know. If you do it right. (laughs) You don't know what, you're you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to just eat an acorn, but God, I'm like intrigued. Yeah. You're like, my, my bouche is amused, (laughs) as the French would say. Anyway, um, so let's talk magic. Oak is associated with the earth sign. Hello. The element earth, the planets, the sun and Jupiter. And the Celtic tree zodiac sign um, for folks with birthdays from June 10th to July 7th. So it like overlaps with the end of Gemini season and cancer season. And those are oak babies. You should definitely find out your Celtic uh, tree zodiac. I think I'm a, I think I'm a holly. I think I'm a holly. I like had looked this up at one point. Um, It's very fun. Hold on. Wait, I have it. I'm hazel. And Nick, you are Ash. No, 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 no. You are Alder. I th- I was gonna say I think I'm Alder. You're Ooh, Alder. I should have said I should I should have said it because then you then I would have been right. But I was thinking mm. that I really was. I because believe we you. did. I we did this on Christmas actually. Yeah, I know we talked about it. I just haven't done much. We talked. We talked about this at Yule. Uh, because we were talking about Holly, or we talked about this around Yule because we were talking yeah. about Holly. Well, we're going to talk about Yule again in a second. But the festival associated with oak season is the summer solstice on June 21st. So uh, if you were going to dance around your oak tree, do it on the solstice. But they're, the trees are associated with like divination, manifestation, healing, prosperity, strength, and fairy magic. So we were talking about Tyrannus. We were talking about the Tuatha and We were talking about all this bullshit with the Druids. But we have to talk about them with oaks because the term Druid is commonly translated as like oak knowledge or oak knower or oak seeker. 
so oaks are considered a pinnacle species, which means that like through their oak knowledge, the Druids would also be familiar with like the rest of the landscape. And of course, the Druids didn't write anything down, but we do have Pliny the Elder, our good friend Pliny, who did write a little something about Druids that feature oak trees. So he described Druids as magicians who hold nothing more sacred than the mistletoe and a tree on which it is growing, provided it is a hard-timbered oak. Mistletoe is rare, and when found, it is gathered with great ceremony, and particularly on the sixth day of the moon. So this ritual is that two white bulls would be brought to the tree, and a white-clad priest would climb the oak tree and cut the mistletoe with a golden sickle and then sacrifice the bulls. And Pliny notes that, like, when the Druids performed all of their rites in sacred oak groves, like, oak groves are, like, so sacred to Druids. And then enter the fucking Romans who cut down all of their sacred oak groves. How nice is that? That's and rude. I, I hate it. But I did want to talk about my oak dream that involves the Fae. Because this was one of those dreams that I had a couple of years ago that has just stuck with me. And I've probably talked about it on here before. But I was, like, in the forest and this, like, this male creature who I knew was a fairy in my dream handed me 13 seeds that I could plant. And we were like in a forest. And when I planted them, oak trees grew, but then I dropped the last seed onto my stomach and an oak tree grew out of me. And I didn't know anything about like druidry at the time and like posted about it in this magical Facebook group I was in at the time. And someone was like, Oh my God, 13 oak trees. That's some druid shit. And That's I was like, oh my God, I must have been a druid in a past life. That's what I think. I think that I was involved with druidry at some point. I, I could see it. I could see it. Yeah, I loved it. So, but in the British Isles, there's like a sacred triad of trees, right? It's the oak, ash, and the thorn. And the oak is also included in the Irish seven noble trees. But overall, like through a lot of different cultures, it's considered the king of the woods. And again, if you're into Nordic mythology, oak is Thor's tree called the tree of thunder. And because it's so strong, uh, Vikings often built their ships from oak trees. So, bomb. But you want to work with this kingly ass tree, right? So the wood of an oak tree is incredibly strong. And I think this is an amazing thing if you can get a hold of it, especially if you can hand make it to make, you know, like a wand or a basin with or any other like magical tools. Like I love the idea of making those from oak tree. The the fire though from burning oak is like a very hot, slow burning fire. And so it's tradition to use the oak tree to build your summer solstice fire. But of course the um, Yule log is also traditionally an oak log. And of course, you should always save a piece of the Yule log to like start your Yule fire the following year. And if you're into like Roman tradition, uh, the Vesta fires were traditionally oak fires as well. So again, if you've got a tree nearby, I think with all of this, like this strengthening and like really bringing in prosperity and resilience, I love the idea of making a basin with it that you use as like your home basem. So not necessarily like a small altar basem. I love the idea of like a big basem that you do house cleansing with made and of And also oak. the way that oak branches are gnarly. Oh yeah. I feel like it's part of why this is good. I, I, this is a good idea. 
Yeah. I also have to say acorns, they're used in all sorts of like talismans for prosperity and fertility. And you can even like add them to spell jars and they're super cute. But you want to look for the ones without the hole in the acorn because that small round hole is a sign that there's an acorn weevil larva in it. And you don't want that in your spell jar or your talisman. So to end the segment though, Nick, I'm doing a nod to you and a like wagging a finger at druids. If you like to do magical writing, you can actually make ink from oak galls. So oak galls kind of look like fruit. You'll sometimes see them called like oak apples, but they're caused by gall wasps who lay their eggs in a leaf bud and the juices like cause the bud to well. And as the grub grows, it like feeds inside the gall. But magically, like magically, oh my God, uh, ink made from oak galls is actually the same kind of ink that they use to write the Magna Carta. Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, and even the Declaration of Independence. So, like, it's been used in a lot of historical documents. So, first. I actually, I I love that. Um, I, yeah, no, I love that. I want to do that. Because, I know, I was like. Because, I, but also, I'm like, I live, there's so many, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say oak galls, too, because they, it turns into the little sphere, and then when yep. the little wasp comes out, there's a little hole in it, and then the hole inside is hollow. Yep. And you can either, when you're harvesting them, again, look for the ones with the hole so the wasp is gone. But they sometimes they'll even fall off once the wasp yeah. is gone. But you go and harvest them, and then you want to dry them out. So you either will leave them in, like, a very sunny spot for a few weeks, or you can just, like, pop them in the oven on a very low heat or a dehydrator if you're fancy. And then once they're fully dried out, you're going to need some elbow grease, but get a mortar and pestle and crush them up and then take the crushed, uh, the crushed galls, about two ounces of the crushed galls into a pint of water for 24 hours and then strain it through a cheesecloth. And then to finish, you need to add some sort of iron to it. So ferrous sulfate is actually like sourceable. That's a popular one nowadays, but you can even add in like scrap iron or iron nails. Or I've even seen some people say to use a rusty iron pot to soak or boil the galls because the iron in it interacts with the tannic acid from the galls and that's what turns the ink black. And then it starts to thicken up. And if you want to make it a little easier to work with, you can even add in some like gum Arabic to the mixture just to make it like flow a little bit more evenly. But you really don't have to. Like you just need the iron in it and then the like reduced like gummy looking stuff from the oat galls and then when you use it initially it's going to look pretty pale when you first write with it like sometimes it even looks almost like a blush but at, as it dries down it darkens into like a really dark brown almost black so that's all I've got for today uh but I'm calling it here for now because holy shit so much to talk about um but my sources were greenarborist.com wikipedia eatweeds.co.uk green witchcraft by Paige Vanderbeck thedruidsgarden.com blog.tentry.com and realselfsufficiency.com wow and yeah uh, oak oak part de coming soon I'm sure it's gotta come but I just I I was like as soon as I found out you could make ink from it for magical writing I was like this is Nick vibes. Yeah. Well, and truly, and I live by so many oak trees. So I'm like, yeah. this is, um, this is accessible even. Yeah. So you can like find old, like iron nails or like, you know, even like a, if you have a rusty, if you find like a rusty 
cast iron at like a secondhand shop for like mm -hmm. no money, you can use that exclusively to make oat gall ink. Oh, no, I'm like, I'm most of Austin is actually famously a construction site, which means yep. there's so many places to get rusty nails these days. Um, yeah. Okay, so, so we're talking about. Well, before storm. we do this. Oh, we, should... we have we have some asks, you guys. You know, yeah. it's got to happen. Okay, so. Rate, review, subscribe, bitches. Uh, yeah, that's the best way to help us that costs you no money. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts. Nick has a template for you. This podcast is good. Give us five stars. If you're not going to give us five stars, please don't fucking bother. Like, yeah. just yeah, like, get truly. out of here why are like, you here why are you listening to this um yeah we don't want to review if it's not five stars what um, went wrong in your life that you're taking time to review a podcast that you're not giving it five stars yeah like, don't bother like 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 because truly we would love feedback but yeah. not like that Fuck you. Not like that. But if you do want to reach out to us and your feedback is, I love you guys. I'd really like you to cover this topic. Yes. You can reach us at wandsandfronspod at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us through Instagram. That's at wandsandfronspod. You can also look up our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash wandsandfronspod. And if you got a little extra dough, for as little as $5 a month, you get to see videos of the episodes. You get additional bonus episodes. We need to figure out our May bonus episode. Um, you can also see my beautiful new haircut. Like, Nick and I have done great things with our hair, like, oh, truly, in Taurus truly, season. Truly. Yeah, like, Taurus, the Taurus season hair going into the Gemini season mania is... It's a mood. It's everything. It's everything, yeah. truly. So anyway, uh, that's the plug. You guys know what to do. But seriously, rate, review, subscribe, download. Rate, review, subscribe, download. Also, Anyways. we do like it when people download so we can see where you live. Like, yeah. country-wise. It's cool. We don't know where your house is. We, just we don't know where your Spotify it. doesn't tell us where your house is. We just want to know I mean, where you're at. But if you want to tell us where your house is, I mean, you go for it. We're not going to show up, but... You can tell us. Maybe we maybe we will. But well, we're wouldn't, not that tell be, them. wouldn't that be That's, spooky? It's more fun if it's a surprise. <laughs> surprise! Hey Hi. girl. <laughs> hey girl, hey. Um, okay, so starting off this segment on Storm Magic. I do just want to say up at the top here, a couple of content warnings. This is definitely one with a language warning, I feel. Um, uh, you know, like I don't I don't care if your fucking kids are in the car. Um, like, also, this is listed as an explicit podcast. So. It's true. It's true. Um, but okay, I'm going to share one of my personal more woo-woo stories that probably makes me sound like an absolute crazy person, but this is a witchcraft podcast, so you really just have to be along for the ride anyway. We're all a bit mad here, my friend. That's true. That's true. And I'm pretty sure I've actually told the story before on the pod, if not in an official episode, for sure probably in like one of the drunk Christmas, Yule, or birthday episodes. Um, and 
if you've heard it before, you're just going to have to listen to it again because this is the segment on Storm Magic and it's my personal tie-in to Storm Magic. So the story goes that in November of 2019, November 11th to be exact, and I'm including the dates so you can look it up on Google. I like that uh, it's 11-11. It's 11-11. Um, I was walking to my bus after getting off of work and I was on the phone with my then-boyfriend, um, now, I do think it's important to mention here that I have had this sinking feeling all day while I'm at work. And, like, something's going to happen, right? So I'm walking and we're talking. And essentially the conversation was that I should go over. And basically I'm like, well, I'm not traveling to get dumb. So I'm only going to come over if you, like, basically tell me right now that that's not what's happening. Because I knew something was up, Right. And he's like, oh, well, actually. And I just had this overwhelming feeling that was like simultaneously like white hot, but also just like, oh, my heart just like froze, right? And when I tell you that it did feel kind of like getting struck by lightning, like I'm only exaggerating like just a tiny little bit. But what happened next is the reason I'm telling this story because in that instant, in that very instant, while we were on this phone call this huge burst of super cold wind blows out of the cloudy november sky and it starts snowing like hard like blowing snow in the wind like there is a snow machine um which never happens in texas but like especially not in november no january and february if it's gonna snow if it's gonna snow if it's gonna snow which we're gonna talk about in the next story right And I know some people are going to see this as highly delusional, but like, I really felt like, not like I summoned the snowstorm, but like for that brief moment, I was like a conduit for the energy of the snowstorm or that I was like in alignment with it. Um, So basically like the outsides, like matching my insides so intensely for that moment. Um, And also, it was kind of crazy because it was, like, a snowstorm. Like, it was, like, very much looking like dark, billowy clouds and, like, rumbling, grumbling. Like, Yeah, it's, like, maybe that's semi-normal for snow, but we're not people that would know. (laughs) We're we're not. But, like, this was in Texas. Yeah. This was in Texas. I don't fucking know. Um, and it was, it was so crazy because it's like, I'm on this phone call that's like ending a relationship that I personally was very emotionally invested in. Like, oh, you know, it was just, it was so much, it was so much, but I was like, well, fuck it. It's snowing. I mean, at least I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Uh, which brings me to another story which is the story of the Valentine's blizzard of 2021. And um, again, you know, like I'm giving dates here. You can absolutely Google whether or not there was crazy snow in Austin, Texas on these days because there was. But so it's actually a similar vibe. So the setup here is that in the weeks leading up to Valentine's Day, so keep in mind, I work in the service industry and Valentine's Day is like a really big deal. And I was at a fancy French restaurant at the time, or I guess semi-fancy French restaurant, but everyone's getting reservations, 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 and it's like snowballing into this really big thing. 
Um, and I'm dreading it because I'm painfully single at this point in time. And I don't really buy into Valentine's Day in a major way, but I was like, like where I was working at the time was in this really cute neighborhood, which means there's lots of cute queer couples. And like, they were really going to do this whole thing with like roses and wine specials and like heart shaped desserts. And it was just going to be like absolutely miserable. So I'm like, I, I've, I've got this growing feeling of dread. Like I do not want to work this. And uh, the week of finally arrives because again, it's like reservations for Valentine's day. They're coming in like, a month in advance so it's like building up to this whole thing right and the week arrives and there's snow in the forecast but like famously in central texas sometimes there's snow in the forecast because there's like a polar vortex coming down but then all of the snow falls on fort worth and there's like nothing left by the time it gets here yeah Um, it's like snowstorms like to blow their load in north texas right 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 uh so it's kind of like eh, it's coming but like it really like never makes it all the way here. Like, so, and like, yeah, they just like stop in Oklahoma even. Like, cause I remember that happening so much in North Texas too. They'd be like, oh, polar vortex coming, snow possible. And it's like, okay, snow possible. Like I'm not, I'm just gonna live my life, you know? I mean, probably not the best advice, but anywho. So the night before comes and I'm like, eating a whole sheet tray of homemade enchiladas and chugging Pinot Noir and just having this sinking feeling because again I'm like painfully single and I do not want to do this like Valentine's Day dinner and um anyway it snowed for like three days straight and some of the drifts were up to three feet deep in Austin and you know what it's lucky I live in Texas because I think I might be Elsa from Frozen um do you want to build a snowman (laughs) <laughs> but really though uh and then it was so miserable and gross for like two weeks after that that there was no like makeup valentine's day either so it was just like it was heaven on earth it was heaven on earth and um like i don't like hate people who were in happy couples i just didn't want to deal with it um it's, it's different like you don't have to hate people that are happy in couples to hate like working at a restaurant on fucking valentine's day right 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 those are Um, not the same (laughs) it's not the same um but that does bring me to the meat of the segment uh which is storm magic so we are both from north texas uh which for those of you who don't know is basically the bottom part of the great plains um and so there's really nothing between canada and central texas it's flat It's like pretty much flat all the way from Canada to central Texas. And it's what um, they know colloquially as Tornado Alley. Yep. And we had like, we have a bonus in North Texas that there's like a low level, like a low level jet stream that Uh like causes so much tumult in the atmosphere that like normal storms become worse too. Yeah, it, it makes it worse. Yeah. Um, like so, maybe people shouldn't live there, but I don't know. I mean, that's just me. So <laughs> I, I think I have uh, personally seen a tornado. I don't know if you have personally seen a tornado. I have. I have. Um, but I mean, there's we've definitely been in the same town as a tornado while it was happening for sure. I mean, yeah, we've both yeah. seen tornadoes. We We grew up in our schools growing up for people that aren't from this area it's like we had tornado drills 
along with like fire drills. Right, right, right. And I think nothing is so life affirming and like scary at the same time as like being in a bathtub in a trailer when there's like an actual tornado on the ground. Uh, with a mattress over the bathtub. With a like, mattress over something. the bathtub. Because that's what they tell you to do. That's literally what they tell you to do on the news. Is like, if you live in a mobile home, get in the bathtub and put a mattress on top. Um, or go outside into a ditch. Because literally yep. that's safer than being in your house that's not attached to the ground right now. Yeah, we would always drive up to K&T's video. Because uh-huh. it's in that brick building up there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 Because it's a thing, y'all. Like, there's nothing scarier than being in a fucking trailer during a tornado. Yeah. So, um, all of that to say, Shannon and I have both experienced the raw power and rage of a severe thunderstorm many, many times. And uh, do take the power of storms pretty seriously. But um, why are storms amazing magically? So, let's look at it elementally. So powerful currents of air, moving unspeakably small particles of water by the millions of tons through the sky as though they were weightless. That's what a cloud is. That by itself is insane and really cool. Um, But the sheer energy of a lot of clouds and aka a lot of moisture in the air creates lightning which burns hotter than the surface of the sun and can make things explode or light on fire. Yeah. And to add to it, it's like you also get like the particles in tornadoes, like it's actual like earth and dust. So it's like you get all of the elements. Yeah. It's really, uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with these storms. Um, But we're like combining air and water And creating not just life-sustaining rain, but also fire in the form of lightning. And sometimes glass, which is such an interesting form of earth. um, Because it's been transformed by the lightning into glass. And it's like, what the actual fuck? That's like clearly a readily available source of elemental magic. If only we could tap into it. So good news for everyone on that front, because I have famously spent the week looking into it uh, so obviously this is going to require some planning on your part but what i will say is this if you are a witch and you aren't already planning out your week by looking at the weather app then how the hell when do you know when you're going to take your nature walks is my question um but you know unless you have like a bum knee or some other rain sensitive injury you're gonna want to know when a storm is coming yeah yeah and so i think this is like a good time for a disclaimer i'm just gonna pop a little disclaimer on here so i'm gonna be giving such bad and reckless and even dangerous suggestions in this segment i'm definitely (laughs) not being a doctor right now and i'm absolutely going out during a storm uh you know there's inherent risks yeah that virgo rising is going out the window. This is the full-on Aries Nicholas segment. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you can get struck by lightning if you go out during a storm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were in a, and I was in a van one time in Mineral Wells um, 
I was in the van with my grandmother and both of my siblings when the van got struck by lightning. Yeah, it happens. Um, and you know what else I will say? I'm a grown man and I can choose to go out during a storm because I'm mentally ill. Okay. And um, because late stage capitalism fucking blows. So you might as well go making magic. But sometimes, really, the only thing in this life is to live a little boldly. All of that to say, I do love going out walking in a daytime thunderstorm. Like, seeing the creeks fill up, rushing with water, watching the trees kind of, like, bend and blow in the wind, and the way, like, the live oaks fill up with birds and, like, critters gets me absolutely rock hard. And I will do it every single time I get a chance. And I will say most of the times that I have seen an owl live and in person in my life have when I have gone out walking in the rain because they take shelter in trees, people. It's not rocket science. Um, and like, yeah, I know the risks I'm taking, but I have to say there is something that is so emotionally cleansing and life-affirming about being out in the rain and finding a little shelter under a big tree canopy and like throwing caution to the wind because your clothes are already wet or you were planning this all along and you're wearing a poncho. And there's really nothing left to do but just enjoy it. And I partially attribute this though to when I was a small kid and one of my absolute favorite things, which I was allowed to do, yay for 90s parenting for once, was to go out during the rain in my swimsuit and splash around in the mud puddles and like try to make workable shelters out of patio chairs and like leaves and just be absolutely unhinged with the freedom of it all. And so yes, to this day, I do love a rain hike because it's absolutely the adult version of that. But more to the magical point, I think this is absolutely a ritual free way to do some major cleansing and like clear emotional blockages and even energize yourself because I, I, I you feel so good if you just go out walking in the rain you guys like I swear to gosh you know it's like you're you're really kind of missing out if you don't partake and I mean I get it so it's like in Texas where it's like warm outside even though it's raining and you're not you're not gonna catch a chill you know what I mean like you're not you're and yeah, if you live in a place like that, then sure, like for sure, like get rain gear, but like you should still go outside and enjoy it because it's really nice. Okay, but I did want to tell this story too, because a few years ago, I was working this really awful job in phone sales at a company that truly does not exist anymore. And I had gone on my lunch break and there was one of those like intense sudden Texas lightning storms that we get, that we get. Um, and I see it rolling in on the horizon. And I'm like, you know, I hate this fucking job. I kind of want to go for like a, a rain hike anyway. So I'm just going to quit. And I went to my boss and I was like, hey, I'm quitting. I'm like, I'm not going to come back from lunch, basically. And whatever you know and like I went to the little break room and I got like a little plastic baggie because I really only had like a coffee mug on my desk like everything else was like papers pertaining to that job like I didn't have you know like my family photos and, like I didn't 
my office was very barren. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I'm just going to walk out. Like, basically, I'm done. And so I get a little baggie from the break room, though, a little sandwich baggie, put my phone in there and, like, crank up the 80s sad boy playlist. And I will say, truly, like, walking home in that storm, you know, so I walked a long way home through the woods because in Austin, we have this thing called the green belt. And it's like winds through the neighborhood, though. It's like a snake. It's like if you look at it on the map, it's snake shaped, right? So it kind of winds through the neighborhood. And so if you are choosing that path, you really kind of have to commit to it because instead of taking like 20 minutes to get home, it's like you're on like an hour and a half walk now. So I'm like, I'm going for the hour and a half walk and I have my phone in the baggie. I'm like, I'm going to get stoking wet, right? And I just got to have like the sad 80s music. Like it was like New Order. It was like Joy Division. It was the Smiths. It was everything and more. And um, just like letting the rain, just like letting the rain fall on me though. And just like completely refigure my life out, like, by the time I got home, like, you know, I was living with a different boyfriend than the one from the first story. Um, but I was living with a boyfriend at the time. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to tell him when I get home? And like, literally, by the time I got home, like, I already like knew what I was going to do for a job and like, you know, like who to call, like, literally, by the time I went to bed that night, like, I had a new job and like, everything was was fine. And um also, I saw a turkey vulture, though, like, flying from tree to tree. And turkey vultures are carrion birds. Um, and I really, like, took that as a sign that, like, that part of my life was dead. Like, the that job and, like, even kind of that relationship. Because, like, really, I was, like, walking home. And, like, the whole time I was, like, why am I so worried about telling him that I'm quitting this job? Like... Because, I mean, it was an abusive relationship. But, like, I I realized it was an abusive relationship on this walk. Like, because I was so worried about telling him that I had quit my job. And then I had this moment of, like, why am I so worried about telling him I'm going to quit this job? And then, like, we literally broke up, like, two months after that. So, um, long story short there is this thing in in wicca so like the way a lot of modern wiccans interpret like how to energetically use a storm it's very much like cleansing energy it's very much like purification it's like letting go the thing is is like it's all about letting go and just like letting things happen and like it's really very, that hillary duff song the let the rain fall down and wake my dreams. Let yeah, yeah, yeah. Away my sanity. I'm like, I don't even remember. I'm like, that's so not in tune. But as like, as you were talking about the cleansing, I'm just like that Hillary Duff music video. Yes, yes, yes. And it's, and it's really, I, I was going to say that it that I literally, I like read the notes, read the notes. If you're following along, I said, feel the rain on your skin vibes. Which different yeah. song, but because I was thinking when I was like, feel the rain on your skin. No one else no can one feel else it can for you. Only you can let it in. 
Uh, there's so many good rain songs. There's so many good. Okay, but really though, there's something to it. There's something to it, um, which gets me into some of the casting involved in like Storm Magic, right? So let's start off with one of the easiest things, which you will be able to take with you after a storm: rainwater, just mm. falling out of the sky. Uh, now, keeping in mind that there are large parts of the world where the pollution in the air renders rainwater hazardous, but there are lots and lots and lots of places in the world where this is not the case, and it's even drinkable. Like, the best drinkable water is the rainwater. Um, and, you know, so use common sense collection practices. We were talking, I you know, a little spoiler alert, we were talking about um, splashbacks. So, the best way to collect a bowl of water, rainwater that you might potentially turn into moon water later on and be drinking, um, is to really have a bowl that's high up off the ground and not under the tree canopy or near your roof, because your roof splashes all kinds of chemicals and stuff which are used on your roof uh, into the water. Um, also, lots of bird shit up there. Ditto the trees, plus anything that they spray on the trees in your neighborhood. Um, and then the ground, which, you know, has lots and lots of creepy crawlies and slimy wimies. Yeah, that there's you do a reason you want. don't just lick the ground regularly. In your water, so if you have a, a chair uh, to keep it up off the ground that you could use, that would be great. Um, and also, like, again, not under the tree, not by your roof. There are certain things you have to keep in mind when harvesting rainwater that you might yeah. possibly drink. Yeah, so, if you're going to drink it, you gotta be extra careful. So really, bird bath shape is best um, yep. out in an open area. But famously, if you do have a bird bath shape water collector, uh, birds might use it as a bath. So you really want to get that water as soon as it's done raining. So um, put it in, and then put it in a nice clean mason jar, and you could turn it out into moon water. You can also use it so. Um, Again, this is an idea that comes from Wicca, and, you know, sometimes we do talk about Wicca on this podcast, uh, but the idea here being that, like, a mist to a moderate shower is good for cleansing and mild banishment, whereas water from a powerful storm is mo more suited to, like, a major banishing or an exorcism even. Um, yeah. Or and also, that just feels so logical, too, though. It's like, I know it's technically Wiccan, but it just intuitively feels like that follows to me right so or as the base for like an annual altar house cleansing like really yeah. like some good summer storm water as the base for that oh my god Which can you, you imagine a, a really intense storm during virgo season oh as my god cleansing yes but like literally so like these are the things you can think about and then you can put it in a clean mason jar and then you can charge it under the moon or with whatever crystals you like or like really but like storm water easiest thing in the world to get so like yeah. let's just let, let's just start there with storm magic that's easy peasy easy peasy breezy even um but another way to work with storm energy is with something that we've talked about in our sea magic episode which is wind knots and even like storm bottles so the idea here is to like capture the raw energy of the storm for later use by employing and tying knots and using bottle corks to like trap the energy of the storm, like in, like trap it in a bottle, right? And the good news with these is that you can do this on your porch or like at an open window. So you 
do not have to go to a cliff by the sea or deep into the woods to perform those particular workings, which is nice. And again, I said I was giving bad advice and I'm asking you as a witch to consider opening your window during a storm. I sound like a crazy person, but make sure the cats are okay and have fun with it. Like We always do it too. Just put a towel down if, you know, you got carpet by the window. Right, right, right. Um, you know, Kurt, what, fuck your curtains. Fuck your curtains. That's what I say. It's just water. They'll dry. Yeah, they'll be fine. Also, doing some witchcraft with the window open during a storm is exactly what I'm going to be talking about next. So, like, you have to get used to the idea because we're diving in. And the idea <laughs> here is that you're using yourself as, like, a conduit of the thunderstorm's energy. Now, if you think about it, um, there is actually ionized energy from the ground to the top of the clouds, which uh, is the path that lightning takes, um, famously. And, like, there's so much fucking energy in a storm. Okay, but the idea here being that you are just, like, going to be channeling the storm's energy during the storm. And so you're making your spells and your crafting that you're already going to be doing more powerful. So you're really giving it some juice. Or you're, like, planning it out. And you're like, I want, you know, it's like, we know in Texas that we're going to get storms in the late spring, early summertime. So if you're like, I have some stuff that I want to do, I'm going to save it for then so I can, like, channel some storm energy. We're really working with gas here, right? So what you want to do is while the storm is rolling in, sort of isolate yourself again. Make sure the cats are okay. Close the door, right? And then, you know, throw open that window and listen to the ebb and flow of the wind. Because when a storm is rolling in, you can, like, hear the gusts of wind. And you can, like, feel the rhythm of the thunder getting closer. And so you're kind of, like, trying to, like, listen to and sink up and find that rhythm in yourself with your breathing with your heart rate and like really kind of like sync up with the storm right and so obviously you're gonna feel the building power of the storm as it gets nearer but the synchronization is really the key to the whole process so like again working on with your breathing working with your heart rate as much as you can um but also even just like sensing the, like feeling the energy in the air while you're doing this like how does the wind feel on your skin like is the you know like what do you hear is the rain getting harder is it letting up is it coming in waves there's like truly massive amounts of energy being transferred again from the sky to the ground and from the clouds to the air when lightning happens and like thunderclaps so like this really isn't going to be difficult. It's not going to be as difficult as like trying to sense other energies or natural phenomena. Like a storm rolling in is really something that it's almost like a beginner level as far as like feeling these very big forces of nature. But you, when you feel your energy peaking and when you feel kind of that shiver travel up your spine, I mean, literally thunderstorms are so powerful that the static electricity makes your hair stand up at certain moments. Like, you can feel the fucking energy of it. So when yeah. you feel your energy peaking and the storm's energy peaking and you're like pretty sure you're syncing up with the storm, 
then you do your intended casting. And I feel right off the bat that this kind of approach would be insanely cool for sex magic. Yes, I'm so glad you said that because I was like sitting here, I like read ahead because I was like, oh my God, this is sex magic, right? Because I feel like to me, like my intuition is saying like, this is so good for like masturbation magic because especially if you're like new to witchcraft or really trying to get in sync with it, it's like, I feel like sometimes sex magic with a partner can be tricksy, especially uh-huh. yeah. if they're not also practicing. So I'm just like, man, get yeah. yourself off during a thunderstorm and it's like save your biggest magic for then yeah um and yeah i that's literally i was like intuitively this does feel like sex magic also famously breathing is horny in that breathing is horny (laughs) breathing (laughs) is so horny i don't know what else to tell you um it's gemini season everything's horny (laughs) um but i feel like this would also be a great time to flip the script and do protection magic for like pets or small humans who might be afraid during storms, like channel that storm energy into some serious protection magic, like turn it around. Right. I will also just go ahead and say that I feel like this energy is suited for magic involving like radical self-love and confidence boosting. So I personally feel like there's also this element of acceptance that comes along with storms that's sometimes important for fiery people like myself to take on board because there's this kind of vibe of like, you aren't the main character, you're not in charge, like you're soaking wet in business clothes, sloshing through puddles, like you just have to accept that the storm is happening and like let it wash over you. Um because you're gonna make it through and like you can even have a good time and there's really so much to unpack with that but there's also this feeling that like i'm gonna harness the power of the storm yeah it's like we say you weathered the storm right you weathered the storm but it's like no like i'm going to do things with the storm like that i am the storm right really though it's like and then there are so you were kind of talking about like native traditions and there are actually so many good native traditions from australia and south america that involve like summoning storms which i do find really fascinating but um i don't feel comfortable like exploring that in my personal craft because that's like not for me um definitely something cool to look into yourself at home um and then also what i will say is that there's a lot of lore about protecting from lightning strikes including carrying that piece of the yule log yeah um that you were talking about getting Uh, struck by lightning's not fun getting Uh, struck by lightning is not fun but But also, also it's interesting to me to read about the people that consistently get struck by lightning and mm -hmm. i'm like what is it about your energetic field right 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 but then also so like sea glass is a traditional talisman for not getting struck by lightning and then because lightning doesn't strike the same place twice so it's not going to hit that piece of sea glass again is kind of the idea but then also there are people who have been struck by lightning like seven times and it's like um yeah what is going on with you yeah, it's like what like in you the saying is lightning. D- the saying is 
lightning doesn't strike the same place twice and here you are and here you are seven times later not dead i also feel like camping during a storm is like big artemis vibes yes yes like because there is something that's so like there's that element of humanity where you're like trying to like enforce your will on your surroundings but also like you are ultimately accepting that you are in a storm and like also you gotta I be really, the oak you gotta be you gotta be it. the oak you got i want a hammock tent uh, but we'll we'll move on we'll move but i yeah. do i want a hammock yeah. te- i want to be in a hammock tent during a crazy storm on a giant oak tree that's a good life goal well at the bitter end here, because this was such a fun but very big episode. Um, of course, talking about water. Pisces. Of course, of course. Got a message for our little fishies. And I love this for y'all because I drew the high priestess. Oh, which... shit. Good job, Pisces. I know. Go Pisces. So I think that the high priestess energy is something that like uh, the Pisces natives will be right at home with. And to me... It's showing me that this is a sign, like you're in a period of heightened intuition and psychic prowess. And I feel like a lot of us tend to get a little scattered during Gemini season. I think it can be a little manic for people, but I think this is a sign for you, Pisces, that you need to like tap into your subconscious and like get the download that the universe has for you, right? Like there is a lot of chaotic energy, but there's some shit coming through that you can tap into. So it's like, you can try meditation or visualization, bonus points for doing it in the water. But the more that you really like listen to your inner guide and like where that's directing you, the more in flow and in balance you're gonna be. So even though it's Gemini season and things feel fun and kooky, go forth, take a bubble bath, listen to yourself, Pisces. Cause you know what's up. You always know what's up. Well. As a sidereal Pisces, um, I reject that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but no, we, gosh, this was such a fun episode. And what do we say to all of you stormy, just fucking raging bitches? To all of you stormy, raging bitches, we say, blessed be bitches. Blessed be you stormy ass bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. I've been making so many random friends lately. Like, Gemini season really is. um, I think because my mom is a Gemini, like, I love Gemini season. Like, it is really one of my top, top three favorite seasons of the Zodiac. It's my manic season, which I have to, like, pay attention to. Because it means it can be really great or I can spiral. Like, spiral right into cancer season, which is not what you want to Yeah, not what you want, not what you want. But, oh my god, no, I feel the spiral happening a little bit. 